let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening and welcome to the Football Babble. Sunday the what is it, the fourteenth or something? I can't even remember the date. Fourteenth of August it is. Sunday the fourteenth of August. It's myself, Phil, Patrick and Jonathan. The two guys making their first appearance of the new season. Evening, gentlemen. Evening. Good evening. Good evening, good evening. Um we've just had the Battle of the Bridge part I don't know, it's not even part two, this is like part ten now between these two sides. There's just a serious needle between these two clubs and it is Peak Barclays and today was was literally it was iconic in the terms of how, how Barclays a game can get and it just matched every single being of it. It was class. Um, we also have to get through Manchester United yesterday. We'll touch on that in the comedy section of tonight's podcast. And um, we'll look at Arsenal and Chelsea. Arsenal City recorded wins yesterday as well to go two from two in the first two games. Both look very good again. Uh, and Forrest winning the first game as well. I just wanted to mention that, and we'll talk about that briefly as well. But the atmosphere as well, uh, Forrest's ground class, and to see them get their first win since 1999 in the Premier League, and an ex-Liverpool player, even though he could never play for Liverpool due to work permit, uh, Tyro scored a goal was good as well. But we will, a lot to get into tonight, plus having the two lads on, so we'll chat about their summers briefly and what they've been up to and different things. But we'll start at the bridge. And saying as Johnson's still finishing off his tea, Paddy, I'll come to you first. Just on the game, like it was, that was just perfect Sunday afternoon viewing. Oh, it's an unbelievable game! Really, really enjoyed it. It just had everything you wanted. It had goals. It had needle. You know, it had some brilliant football on display as well. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Spurs. I don't know how they managed to get out of there with a the point because I thought Spurs were were pretty poor to be honest. I thought Chelsea played very well, yeah. and. You know, with all the, the state of flux Chelsea have been in over the last six months, um, and people have been writing them off and saying, you know, they'll, they'll struggle to get in top four, whatever, whatever. Chelsea looked decent. Um, you know, Sterling was bright. I thought his little pass for James's goal was fantastic. I thought he was a threat throughout. And Koulibaly, Jesus Christ, what a fucking goal. Absolute <laughs> class. You know, he just cut across it beautifully. Um, I don't know what Spurs were at in terms of marking, but what a bloody goal. Um, and he's going to he's gonna be such a threat from set pieces all season. I don't think he'll score many volleys, mind you. I don't think he'll score a few bullet headers, but you know, he could be a centre-half that chips in with a seven or eight goals in the league this season, season, you know, considering what he did at Napoli. So... He'll be their top goal scorer, Paddy. He probably will. He probably will. Jorginho will score about six penalties and uh, Koulibaly will score six headers and that'll be that. Um, Because we were, I suppose, just before we we started recording, we were were digging out Kai Havertz for being a nothing footballer. um, (laughs) Which I'm sure sure Brendan's going to enjoy hearing later on. How long has Paddy been back for? 60 seconds or something? That was about (laughs) 76 seconds or something, stupid. uh, Which is unreal. Um... 
Yeah, interesting point on Spurs. I know obviously Mud will have something to say in this. Uh, don't worry, Mud, you'll get your time. I didn't think they were great either. Um, and, and I know people say, oh, they dug in and they got the result. Uh, they got the result, yes, it was too old, but it wasn't a case of them digging in. They got away with a couple of refereeing decisions. I mean, I don't know how uh, Romero can get away with pulling Cucurea's hair and... The referee didn't say, uh, can claim to not see it, but um, and 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 this nonsense of VAR can't get involved. That just seems completely stupid, in my opinion. Like that's uh, that's clearly an incident that VAR should be used for. Like it's it's sort of um, violent conduct, yanking someone down by the hair. So that made no sense to me. The the first goal as well, Ricardson, he's offside. And his obviously his nose is offside, so how, I don't know how um, <laughs> that wasn't uh, spotted by the, by the referee or the linesman either. Like I'm not really sure how that gets given because we've seen that so many times before that he's obstructed in play. So it's it's like yeah, Spurs, you got in get out of there. But if I was Spurs, I think Jimmy Carragher made the point towards the end of the Sky coverage. Like you'd be looking at that going, Oof, we really got away with that, and we are not just at that level just yet. And a lot of people have. I think Spurs will still do quite well this year as in top four and they'll still push teams. They'll, they'll be excellent on, especially on the scene that really raise it in, in big games and under Conte, they're going to do that. Um, But yeah, going on that performance, they'd need, to, they'd need to be a lot better because, and you can come in now, Johnny, because you, you have a clinical striker at the minute. Teams with a clinical striker are going to put could put Spurs away with some of those opportunities and some of the, the, the play and the ball that Chelsea had today. Yeah, you know, that's um, this has been a trend for Spurs for many years, you know, getting refereeing decisions that really they should never have gotten, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying there's some kind They're of... paying the refs off, John. Yeah, there's some, there's some conspiracy going on in the background. Um, Here we go. Yeah. Second podcast conspiracy theories, excellent. Yeah, they were piss poor, and I know you said mentioned them last week about how good they were against Southampton, but I mean... Southampton have been piss poor for the whole of this calendar year. They've been pure dog piss. And probably, I would say, are one of the teams that are likely to go down this year, but we're not going to focus too much on that anyway. Um, good game, like, full of, full of you know, emotion and energy. And, you know, you have two managers on the sidelines there who, you know, the way we talk about, like, it's just, like, Conte kind of puts it on at times. And Tuchel as well, this whole fucking... Laying on the ground when a player missed a chance, right? Fuck me, like, get a catch a grip of yourself. Um, I, I said to Paddy, I, I agree with Paddy at the beginning before we started recording that at the very end, I thought Tuchel did sort of start that whole shit at the end. Um, but I was all for it, I was delighted he'd done it to be fair. Um, get straight into him, slap the wig off him, tan toots. I would, I'd be there for it, I'd love it. <laughs> And it's already been turned into memes and everything, this uh, handshake. So, you know, that's what we're all here for, isn't it? At the end of the day, the memes. Um, Chelsea are missing a striker. And they've been missing a striker for about, I don't know, four or five seasons now. It's it's um, it's blatantly obvious what Chelsea need to push on to challenge for the title again. They're always going to be in between Liverpool, City and the rest of us until they sort out that striking situation. Like, I mean, Timo Werner's away to Germany scores yesterday. Lukaku's back in Serie A scores yesterday. I mean, is it is it is there a Chelsea curse on strikers or were these boys just not asked? You know, it's 
it's a strange situation. Like I don't know, Brenton watches Chelsea a lot more than I do. Like, but any time I watch them now, particularly in today, like it's the two two defenders that got them the goals. And I think if they had somebody who could put the ball in the back and that up front, Chelsea would have been, you know, clear sailing in the first half. Spurs would have been out of sight. And that's what's cost yeah. them three points today. And it's weird because I have Roma on the background. Chelsea had a striker and he's currently number nine at Roma. I was and just I was like, just about to talk about him. What a player he <laughs> is like. I I, I like well you all you drive the, the Tommy Abrams fan bus party, but I'm I have a seat on it. Like I, I really don't understand the logic and I don't understand why they, they didn't explore the option of going back after him. Uh in the summer there because he's he's three on goal here now. They they look like he just looks like he'd be the perfect target man, front man for them at the minute. Um, especially with Cucurella and now Reece James, like he's gonna get, and then you obviously chill. He's gonna get service. Um, just doesn't make any sense to me. And and for for large periods of that game, Chelsea were excellent. Chelsea they needed a performance because although they beat Everton last week, uh, and beat them one 0 it wasn't a great game. People are sort of writing them off already because of they haven't signed a striker because of they haven't been able to add in many mid say midfielder reinforcements. They've added in Sterling, who will be good for them, but the the biggest buys have sort of been at the back and who are wondering what's going to go on here in the new Todd Bowley uh, regime. But that was a brilliant performance, but just did lack that killer edge, like summed up perfectly by Kai Havertz glaring miss. You can't be missing those in those games. And I know he scored big goals in big games, but you can't be missing those. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it I, was thought, shocking, I thought it was a brilliant sure. game, but it was a terrible miss. I thought it was a brilliant game. I enjoyed all of the needle, naturally. Um, loved Romero and Havarts going at each other. I think Romero is a complete shite bag. And he played for Liverpool, I'd get, his, I'd get his face tattooed on my back, but he doesn't. He plays for Spurs, so I have to hate him. I think he, he, could, he could go down as the league shite bag now. In fact, the Spurs team could end up going down as the league yeah. shape bags. Um, like the biggest shape bag around. Can't, yeah, they have him. Um, sure. Only just signed Pickford, player of the reserves, and they've complete completed the set. But it's like they're just they're all Conte has instilled the nastiness in them. If you saw the all or nothing, Mourinho tried to get into it, but it just was never going to work. Whereas there is a nasty sort of evil side to the Spurs, obviously more so for you, Jonathan, because it's your big rivals, but. Um, yeah, great game at the bridge. These two teams hopefully they get each other in cup games as well, and possibly in Europe because they do serve up um, really, really good games and uh, more to it. Let's say it for for Brandy's sake. I know Brandy would want me to mention this. Um, Basuma celebrating like they just won, you know, the double at Stamford Bridge there at the end. You know, celebrating a draw. You know what I mean? <laughs> here, here. Jurgen Klopp celebrated a draw against West Brom. Now everyone wants to do it. You know what I mean? Now well, everyone wants to do it. Jurgen Klopp has went on to win everything. Spurs well, haven't had, won yeah, shit. Well, they haven't won deadly <laughs> squad. Um, but yeah, I suppose for... We don't, Liverpool don't play until tomorrow night, Paddy. So I suppose for Liverpool, that was probably the perfect result. And Arsenal as well, Jonathan. I'm, I'm sure you two are buzzing for Monday week. You know what I'm buzzing for it. <laughs> well, well, we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Don't, don't you worry. We'll get on to that uh, in due course, my my friend. But just on today, and I'm going forward. Liverpool obviously still to play their second game, which is tomorrow night against Crystal Palace. Can win and then go, go level within a game, obviously of Spurs and Chelsea, two points behind City. So that's probably the best result for us, Paddy. Oh, I was delighted when the equaliser went in because we remember we had spoken on the phone yesterday just that 
you know, really, whenever the sort of your top six rivals are meeting, you really want them taking points off each other. Yeah, so you want draws. Draws are ideal. Um, and I think I would have, I'm sure that draw would have been greeted pretty warmly um, at the empty hat as well. Um, so it was good. Good game, and I totally agree that Chelsea should feel very hard done by because that Richarlison one, how how VAR can look at that and say he's not interfering when the ball, you know, nearly grazes his ankle. Like, you know, the keeper Mandy would have definitely been hindered by by where Richarlison was. Um, so I, I was baffling to me. Uh, I would have been annoyed if that was given against me. And um, I think the, Sky made a big point about Richarlison changing the game when he came on. He didn't really do anything, but I don't know if he just created a bit of havoc with his, you know, uh, with his movement or whatever. But um, I think what yeah. really changed the game was Conte took off nearly every single defender and brought it on Richarlison. He brought on Lucas Moura. Uh, who else did he bring on? Like he literally took off both wing backs. Yeah, just fired everybody on. Just tried to bombard Chelsea's defense and. Yeah, I, I agree, Paddy. Like, I don't really know what Richarlison really did on that game, but um, he'll he'll get the plaudits, no doubt, for doing fuck all. But well, he gave away, he he put Kulaveski in awful trouble, which led to the second goal, and then he stood, he stood in an offside position for them to equalise. I mean, that's kind of all he does, really, because that 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 is his impact. That's the level of his performances. Um, but yes, we'll move on. Uh, we've covered the beat that game yesterday, but I think it's fairly obvious the big talking point of the weekend uh, happened at Brentford. Um, what happened? Well, there was a 90-minute comedy set. The Edinburgh Fringe Festival was on, and uh, Manchester United served, decided to serve up their own dish of comedy for 90 minutes for everyone, which uh, well, you know I really appreciated in that absolute boiling heat last night. With a couple of Henneken zero zero stars, uh, watching that, enjoying it, and just giggling to myself because I just I I couldn't believe I, I did I, I knew they had it in them to get beat by Brentford. I knew they had it in them, but I didn't know they had this in them. And Johnny, the last time we saw an Ajax manager take over a Premier League team was was De Boer, and he lasted five games with Palace. Then mm. Ajax trying to give that a rattle, isn't he really? I'd say he is, yeah. Uh, shocking, shocking from Man United. Um, I just want to point out that Gary Navo, <laughs> exactly a year ago to to the day that he said he didn't understand the strategy or the transfer plan at Arsenal, and then's back in United on Ben, that wee fella Martinez. Literally, that wee fella. I mean, you don't put that guy up against Ivan Tony. <clears throat> I'm sorry, like that was that was a terrible decision and proved to be that yesterday. And, I, I don't understand Man United's strategy. Um, you know, you bring in Christian Eriksen, who's been a great player, but Christian Eriksen is not the player to bring in to get Man United back to where they need to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's he's kind of... It's not that he's over the hill, but he's getting there. You know, what are you going to get a year or two out of him? The same with Cristiano Ronaldo. We, we've talked about that before. Like, he didn't even seem half-assed yesterday either. Um, which was great. I mean, they brought McTominay on and he just added to the comedy. I mean, fantastic player, kicking the ball out of play. Amazing. Um, and Man United, you deserve it. Like, I think I've said this before, Man United fans deserve everything that's happening to them right now because the way they were complete shitbags when we were growing up and gloating this and gloating that. And Fergie kept them stable and kept them winning because of the mentality that he had. Um, they've been protesting for what feels like my entire lifetime now. 
try and get the glaciers out and it's not working I, I don't i don't know what what they can do to get them out you know they're the took was a 24 million out of the club only last month or something i think i heard gary neville say which is is crazy um but i i don't know where money had to go from here you know ten hag is in serious danger of getting the boot um and long may I continue the the comedy fest. You know, I I thoroughly am enjoying it. Like, to be honest, I I was the same. But I thought exactly the same as you. I thought Brentford can beat Man United here today, no doubt about it. When it went four 0 I was out like yourself out the back on the barbie. I was like, did I just hear an all goal going? <laughs> and ran back in, and even even Teresa was surprised. Like, what's what's is that the game over now? I was like. No, that's only the first half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um. So, Steve, unfortunately, couldn't come on here and, you know, give us his thoughts and his feelings on on Man United this evening. Um. Hopefully, maybe he'll send us in a wee voice note or something later on. But I'm sure, as as two Liverpool fans, you guys are thoroughly enjoying everything that's going on down in Salford today. Patrick, would you like to go first? Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Like it's really, really beautiful. Like as Jerry said, we've we've grown up, you know, 20, 20, 25 years of just listening to United fans celebrate and watch them lift silverware. But like that's you, you keep thinking they can't get lower, and then something happens and they reach this new nadir. But I was sitting in Bun. I was in out for pints in Belfast yesterday, and uh, sitting beside my brother in Bunsen whenever the game was on. He checked his phone; it was one 0 Start. I know my brother Andrew just starts laughing. Next time he checked his phone, it was two 0 Next time it was three 0 Next time it was four 0 He, I was nearly needing to give him diazepam to calm himself down. Like <laughs> he was absolutely like, he could not stop laughing. Um, so he had a he had a great time. But you know, Brentford were brilliant. United were awful. Um. And like, you know, Harry Maguire's most expensive defender of all time. Martinez has spent the guts of 55 million on him. They brought Varane on, who's, you know, multiple Champions League uh, winner and cost 35 million pound. Like there's about 175 million pound of centre halves that on yesterday. Um, like they should not be getting beaten 4-0 by Brentford. Like they really, yeah. really should not. You know, and if you go right through the team, like Ericsson's a classy player. Sancho they spent a fortune on and, you know, clearly there's a player in there somewhere. Bruno's first season was incredible at United. Like he was the best player, maybe him and De Bruyne and Salah, but definitely in the best three players in the league. Ronaldo's one of the best players of all time. You know, this should not be this shit. Um, they're clearly just completely broken. Um, and they're going to need some new faces in in the next few weeks. And I think Ronaldo leaving would do them the biggest favour. Uh, you know, it would, it would change a bit of the focus around the club. I'm sure Ten Hag and, and a lot of United fans are hoping that someone's going to take a punt on him. Um, even though his options seem to be narrowing and narrowing. But yeah, it's shocking. And I know we're playing them in a week's time. And I always get nervous yeah. before any game with United and you know they'll be at home and they'll will have a, a point to prove. But um you know if Liverpool I know we had a really poor opening game against Fulham, but if Liverpool turn up, they could absolutely smash this lot. Like it could it could get really ugly like the game last season. Um I so read actually they're they're going to try and the United fans are going to try and get the game off. 
Um, well, they did that before, but then when we played them, then we we smashed them. So yeah, if if that uh, does happen, I think maybe it's a it was a Liverpool account. You know, that sometimes they suggest like accounts flip up on your Twitter. Um, maybe one that yeah. you do follow. They said that if that happens again, Liverpool should just be automatically rewarded three points because why should Liverpool have to suffer? For Man United's fans invading the stadium or whatever, whatever they're planning on doing, I have no idea. But I think that's a fair point, and you know, it, it's. I think it's only fair that that's, you know, why should Liverpool have to reschedule again because United fans are pissing about? You know what I mean? Um, but I, I am really, 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 really looking forward to that game next week. And I mean, five was it five nil last year or five one maybe? Um, it could be double that this year if if that United team. I played yesterday, plays the same way against Liverpool, and Liverpool are on it. I mean, it could get very, very embarrassing for them. <laughs> I, I just, on yesterday's performance, um, it just looked like, it just looked really, really naive. It looked like underage footballers in a, in a pre-season match that, you know, had only just come together. Their manager, they've only just met their manager, so he's he's, he's trying to coach them into doing certain things, and they're like, <laughs> like the first goal was almost like uh, Ten Hag was saying, right, pass it there to him, and we'll see, and then he'll pass it. But it was like you know, really like slow moving, really really staged. It looked like a training session, and it was like, but we're gonna allow Brentford to attack. You know, like sometimes Johnny, like when you're playing football with your nephews and you let them score goals. No. I, All right, well, I never that's, what, that's what it, like, that's like when I'm playing with Finn, that's what it felt like. It was like, oh, God, it, but it felt like United were doing this, but that's just what the level they were at. Do you know what I mean? And like yeah. when when your goalkeeper, when your goalkeeper is showing signs of maybe being a bit past it and his talents are want or like wavering, you have to look then at getting a replacement in for him. But when you leave it four or five years and don't do anything, then this is what happens. De Gea will chuck in a performance every now and again where he has an amazing results. And people be like, oh, that's David, David De Gea. For four or five years, he's been brutal at times. He's been really poor. There's no conviction. Last week's goal against Brighton, ball across the box, he just stands there. There's no conviction in him. There isn't. It's all gone. He's dropped, he's dropped by Spain. The... Uh, Brentford goalkeeper took his place in one of the squads. It's gone, right. like, and that's mm-hmm. another thing United haven't looked at. And I get, I get the anger at the owners. I do get that, and I have sympathy on that side of things. I do get it. Yes, money has been spent. No, it is not uh, the owners' money. It's the club is spending on. You know, they've been taking the money out of the club. So you can see that that's why people argue. It. You spent 175 million on defenders. You shouldn't be this shite, which is what Paddy said, which is completely not utter fair. There's also that side of yeah, it is the Glazers. So I don't know where they go from here either. And as I'll have a my game week two roundup blog out probably on Tuesday morning, and I talk about it. And that there, where do they go next, and what happens? Like what happens if they get bought by an oil state after protesting against and constantly telling us how Man City are nothing because they're owned by oil and. And they, they, they wouldn't exist without that. So what would United fans do then if that was to happen if their club was bought over? It's it's a weird conundrum to be in. But just the mistakes on the pitch. And and, and to, you can't gloss over that. Gary Neville, I know, last night was so passionate and he wanted to talk away from it because he said, we've done this too many times. Well, I'm sorry, but 
you can't not you can't gloss over that. That was utterly shite yesterday from every United player. They were brutal across. All. Even the subs were brutal when they came on. I, like Brentford should have really slapped them biblically. They it's really like, should. Have sorry, for them wasn't it in the second half? You know that's yeah. That's it was more like Brentford draw. Like let's just chill out here for forty-five and not get injured because we've won yeah. this game. Do you know what I mean? And. and other teams will get in that position against United if they don't wise up very soon and will go for biblical scorelines. And then Ten Hag will have no comeback. Can you imagine next week if, if Liverpool do beat them, say, 5-0 again? Like, three defeats, one goal, and what is it, about was it about 12 goals conceded? Uh, Martinez was bought as a centre-half because he was brilliant in, in, in Holland, right? Fair enough. And he was excellent in games we saw him in Holland. Whatever, they have a problem in midfield where they have no one can get on the ball with authority. Nobody can win the ball back because Fred I, I, and um, Martinez can pass the ball brilliantly as well. Put him in midfield, you clown, and play. All right, Harry Maguire. Play Maguire and Varane behind him. At least then you'd have some form of a triangle that could operate there, and could you could see with Martinez sitting in front of those two, he'd be able to stop things. But he won't. He, he played him twice now. You could see against Brighton, he was getting legged all over the pitch by Danny Welbeck. So what does he do? I know. I'll let him play against an even bigger, stronger, faster and fitter form of Danny Welbeck and Ivan Tony. Oh, on the other side, Mwebu, who's another absolute powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Very fast, very physical footballer. And Tanag looks at this and goes, ah, hmm, I'll chuck him in and then hooks him at half time. I, I think, no sense. kind of what you said, I, I, I'd be surprised if they don't start five at the back against Liverpool and play Maguire, Martinez and Varane. I, I, I'd i be shocked if they didn't change their system for that game. Um, they, have, they have to do something. Um, and, need to. and I didn't get Neville's point. Like Neville just, you know, bashes owners, owners, owners. And Redknapp was kind of saying, yes, but they have, they have put funds in. And like, I know the, the, you know, the overall debt and the tech sort of dividends or whatever, but in terms of actually backing them on the pitch, United spent a billion pound. Like they, they have been given money. It's, it's, it's more, you know, decisions being made by by recruitment staff, scouting as well are massive issues. It, I don't think every single thing can be laid at the door of the Glazers all the time, and it just seems to be Neville's drum that he beats constantly. Did he not say last year that when they'd signed Ronaldo and Varane, they were close to ta- challenging for the title? He did. He did say that. Um, I mean, Paddy, you made the point there of, you know, that you named a couple of players there in that Man United team. And, yeah, the, the potential there is to be anybody in the Premier League, but you shouldn't be getting beat 4-0 by, by Brentford. And no. Gary Neville jumped up and down on us last year and we got beat 2-0 by Brentford when we had players out with COVID as well. Um, I think Edu also, our technical director, has done Man United dirty by getting the price put up on Martinez when we really had no interest in him whatsoever. We were just trying to get the price down in Shinchenko, which was a great bit of business in my opinion. But um, it's, uh, you know, Jadon Sancho, I don't think there's been enough made of how poor he's been in the Man United shirt. Like, I didn't even realise Bruno Fernandes was playing yesterday. He was anonymous. Christian Eriksen was the only player that sort of, you know, not that he stood out or was fantastic or anything, but he seemed like he was only a player that was really trying for United yesterday. And probably that was just to prove a point against Brentford for leaving them. But it's you can sort of sympathise with them, with, with the ownership. Yes, you can. But the players didn't put in the effort. And I see 
you know, the likes when, when they sign Martinez, you know, I kind of can understand how, how that fails when you're signing a player that maybe, you know, isn't going to change anything because, like, we signed Socrates one year along with Lex Steiner and that was the Gwendouzi summer and all that, all them players came in. And none of them players are left at Arsenal now. But they're, they're not the sort of signings that would inspire me as a Man United fan thinking, right, we're going to go at least challenge Chelsea or or Spurs or Arsenal or whatever for the top four, you know. It just seems like a complete mess. The players on big contracts and, you know, big wages and don't really care. And it is, it is a shit situation for them to be in. And you can understand United fans' frustration, like, but Gary Neville is so quick to blame the Glazers, but yet didn't blame any of the players and didn't call them out in the poor performances. Like, you know, Dave saves, Dave saves, fuck all anymore. You know, the, the keeper there in Henderson, who probably could have done a better job, you know, give the guy a chance. They didn't even give him a chance. And now he's number one for Nottingham Forest. See it penalty of the day. Just it's just the way I suppose that's just the way it goes, isn't it? When a keeper you let go puts in a great performance um, the next day after you get battered four 0 like but I don't know. Man United need a complete clear out. I think, you know, Harry Maguire, not good enough for Man United. He's good when he has up and he's in a back five, but at the four he's he just gets caught out. Same Martinez. And like Paddy said, it would be if they don't play a five at the back next week and stick, you know, two in front of that back five as well in midfield, Liverpool are going to thrash them. Like Trent will have a field there running up and down that lane as well, along with Salah. So it'll, uh, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting game, no doubt. They might need three back fives <laughs> if they don't wise up. Like I'm being serious. If they don't, if they don't wise up, and I see today as well that. Um, they weren't allowed their day off, so we called them back in the training. It hasn't started well, like at all for him. Uh, Mister Ten matches is, you know, like the, the like. I told United fans to give him patience, and you're still at that stage. It's only two games in, but regardless of what happens on Monday night, next Monday night, because that's against Liverpool, it's some the games after that as well. If they don't start picking up results and performances, and Ronaldo, I don't care. He is a dickhead. Like, if I was, like, great footballer, don't get me wrong, obviously, one of the top four or five best ever, but that attitude afterwards, like, there's there's fans there that have probably paid stupid and copious amounts of money, not only to go down and watch United, but to go down and watch United when there's a real strike on in England, so it wouldn't have been easy to get to Brentford um, for these fans, wouldn't have been cheap, they've gone down there for half five Saturday night to watch United, by the way, playing one of the worst kits I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm surprised they didn't say we couldn't see each other. Um, and he didn't even have the fucking decency to go over and like at least face the fans afterwards. He wanted to storm off. No, look at me, look at me. I'm away off and down the tunnel he went. And I haven't seen, I've seen like fans from other teams criticise this, but I haven't seen fans, and maybe they have, from United criticise this. And I don't get it. I don't get this hero worship of him. He left United to go to Real Madrid after a couple of brilliant seasons because he wanted to go to Real Madrid and he binned them off and away he went. He came back to United because really no one was going to pay for him. Juventus wanted rid of him. City played what you like what you just said, John. City played a blinder like, oh, R- R- Ronaldo? Uh, yeah, we'd be interested in Ronaldo. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer poo-pooed his panties, brought him in. And said they were like, dead on, no ball, we didn't want him. Do you know what I mean? Nobody wanted him. Because he just brings too much baggage with him. He doesn't bring what you need. 
and especially to score and think at United. And people say to me, oh, I scored 20 goals last year. Where did you finish? And what did they do in the big big games? Nothing. Absolutely the only thing he brought was shirt sales, really. Um, he, brought, he did nothing. Can I he just scored add, penalties. Like, I, I, I probably know the answer to this question already, but I just kind of want to ask the both of you this. Can we look back kind of on what Solskjaer sort of did with that Man United team? Now, I'm not saying Solskjaer did a fantastic job, but, I mean, he got them into the Champions League spots quite a few seasons. He did, from yeah. memory. Um, and it's a shit show. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think Solskjaer was the man to take uh, United forward either. You know, it's it's not that's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, maybe he didn't do as bad a job as what we maybe thought. And I think what United need to do next Monday is do a classic Solskjaer. Stick everyone behind the ball and try and play a counter-attack game on Liverpool because I think that's their only chance to get some sort of um, some sort of results next Monday against Liverpool. Um, then again, Liverpool could go out tomorrow night and get beat by Palace and God knows what might happen. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, do, you think, um, do you think Ronaldo will be there by the end of the transfer window? I think he will, yeah. I can't say who's going to take him. Uh, like, who's going to give him Champions League football and be able to afford his wages? I, I just can't see it. Like, there's talk of sporting, but is he that sort of uh, egotistical that he'll go and just play six group games to try and get an extra two or three Champions League goals for sporting? Uh, I think he's just going to be there. I can't see who's going who's gonna to take the punt. Um, and if I was picking a team for the Liverpool game, I would also start Wan-Bissak. Juan Bissaka at right back because although he can't attack, he's actually a pretty good defender. I would play I would play him right back against us. Um because I think that Diaz will struggle more against him than he would than he would against uh Dallo. Interesting. Um tough times ahead for the United Brethren folks. Tough times ahead for them. Um they'll want that to turn quickly. But we shall see. I uh, don't know if any of us have any real faith in that turning fully quickly. But anyway, on we move from the comedy section of tonight's podcast. Um, back to the serious bit. Yesterday, big wins for Arsenal and Manchester City. Two teams at the top of the table. Well done, Jonathan. Two games in for pretties. Um City yesterday. Now, before we just... We'll touch on City briefly because we haven't really mentioned them. Sort of this, two touches of the ball or something for Haaland yesterday. We won't see him now for 15 games. <laughs> Told you he's a flop. We won't I see him he got, he got, until consistent. the last, the second last group game in the Champions League is when he'll be broken back out again. Pep won't stand for that. Like, not a chance. No. I didn't... Um, I haven't got an opportunity to see any of the City game, even the highlights. Uh, I did see the 1-4-0 and seemed to be very convincing. And obviously, I just checked the score to see if Holland scored, just so I can gloat about how I am right. Um, of course, it seems like City already are... And what's surprising, the City have started very well this year, while normally they don't start the league season very well. Um, I, I don't think Liverpool can afford to drop a point at all. You know, this season, kind of over the last couple of seasons, you know, you've clawed it back and things like that, but... It's um I thought with them losing, you know, a couple of players this summer in City, I thought, right, this is a chance now they're maybe going to be in a bit of a rebuild. And now they're still comfortably beating teams. You know, they went to West Ham last week and won 
And then the slapped, wasn't it Bournemouth played yesterday? Isn't, isn't that right? Yeah, 4-0 at home to Bournemouth. Uh, and slapped Bournemouth. Um, not looking forward to playing City this year again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what you lads think. Uh, if you've obviously seen bits of the game, like of how they, how they performed, but... If if that's if that's right, Phil, that Hall only touched the ball twice, then yeah, Pep will be he'll not be happy, man. He'll not be I very think nice. he had in total some like eight touches or something silly. Um was pretty um I think he might have had a hand in setting up I can remember the first goal Gundamans, but um he was pretty an anonymous really for the remainder of the game was Kevin De Bruyne as usual, uh lording it. Um, about the idea he had for them, but yeah, City do usually start off slow and then just kick into the middle part of the year where they just go on these absolutely insane runs. So you're right, like Liverpool, if they have tight aspirations themselves this season, they'll need to bounce back tomorrow with a win and get back on the coattails of City. Um, I still have a feeling that they won't run away with it though. Um, Man City, regardless of how fast they start now, I still have an inkling that things will take a twist and turn because this year's mental, like with the World Cup slap bang in the middle of it. So, you know, players will be going away to that. We don't know how long players are going to be playing for, uh, what stage are they going to get to. So, we'll see from there how tired people get coming back from it. But, yeah, City, <laughs> an easy another win, still haven't conceded, even though people would say their defence is probably the weakest, but when they did play a team that was up to it in the Community Shield, regardless of people saying it was a friendly or not, they were beat pretty comfortably by Liverpool, so we'll see what happens coming down the line, but uh, I don't know what you make of it, Paddy, obviously you're a big Erling Brute Haaland fan, so you weren't even on last week, and you get can get to tell us how much you enjoyed his goal, penalty goal and his finish last week against West Ham. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a massive fan. I think he's going to score an absolute hatful for City. Um, sad as it is to say, I loved the way he took his uh, his second goal. Like he didn't even need a touch. The way he kind of moved his body and stuff. He's just a he's just bloody class. Um, and yeah, I think like you kind of touched on there, City obviously struggled against Liverpool in the Community Shield. They've had a very kind start. I know you can only beat what's put in front of you, but West Ham basically had no centre halves and they beat them comfortably. And then Bournemouth you know, are probably the, the poorest of the three promoted sides, I would say. And like it was always gonna be a an absolute cakewalk. So um it'll be interesting. They've got a very kind start, like they play in Newcastle, Palace, Forest, Villa. They don't actually have a top six team until tenth of September when they play Spurs. So um City could potentially get quite a considerable lead in the league. Um but yeah Holland I think he's going to be frightened with all the service that he's going to get. Like De Bruyne looks class um, as always, but just yesterday he was just playing in cruise control and, you know, with the likes of Mares and Foden and Bernardo and goodness gracious, he's going to get a lot of chances. Um, yeah, uh, he's fearful. He is a fearful man. And over at um, the Emirates, Johnny, two of Pep's disciples, well, three, and Arteta as well, the manager, um, their first home game, first competitive home game for Arsenal, uh, since Jenko and Gabriel Jesus, and obviously Jesus got two, but both had a pretty decent game. Yeah, I thought Jesus should have had a bloody hat trick. Uh, it was a great tackle by Ndidi, I think, that got back to deny him getting the hat trick. Um, but yeah, we played very well, played some great football. Um, I think the difference between 
Arsenal now and maybe even if, even the beginning of last season, you know, when Williams Saliba scored that own goal, in the past Arsenal would have just caved in on themselves and would have been Leicester probably would have got a draw or maybe even a winner to that game. Um so I think for, for Arsenal to very quickly get a goal after Leicester scored both their goals yesterday, very quickly, you know, within minutes or I think it was forty five seconds after the, the first goal Leicester got Arsenal scored again. So um I think that's really the difference this year and you know, controlling games. Um, so it's it's nice to see. You know, I look I look at us now and the players that we have and the football that we're playing. And then I'm looking over at Man United and thinking, "Fuck, I know what it's like to be there." So uh, I'm, in, I'm in a much much happier um, frame of mind about about Arsenal these days. Um, I don't really know what we're going to do this year. You know, it's only two games. I, I think we have the squad there to to finish in the top mm-hmm. four. Uh, what, what like what within the fan base like obviously you fellow Arsenal fans that you would talk to quite a bit like what what is the real like realistically like what's what's the goal here like where where can Arsenal finish? I think I think the aim the target is the top four like just talking to to Arsenal fans that I know and even some of follow on Twitter you know, the mood around Arsenal hasn't been this good and. I'm I'm thinking near bloody Highbury days, like you know, like that's that's how long ago, like that the mood around Arsenal has been that good. You know, we know we have a good team and we can compete and challenge for the European spots and go for you know domestic trophies or whatever. Like I don't think we're anywhere near challenging for the league. Um, but you know, if you set your targets up that high, you know you're going to be in around the top four anyway. Um, I'm not saying Arsenal will challenge for the league, by the way, but. I think I think they need to be going for the Champions League spots this year. They really need to finish in it with, the, you know, the players they've brought in and the money they've invested. And you know they're not done. You know they potentially may bring in another player or two here before the transfer window closes. So um, it'd be nice to see Yuri Tillemans come. Uh, it'd be nice to see us get an all winger in. Um, but we'll just need to see what happens. You know the mood is very good. The Emirates seems to be absolutely bouncing these days. Um, the videos that I've seen come out of the Emirates over so the last couple of home games has been fantastic. Uh, the group of young lads has taken over the the clock end of of the Emirates, and they're bringing an atmosphere now. So that's good because Arsenal's atmosphere has been absolutely, you know, tragic. You know, they used to call Haybury the library. So it's um it's been in need of a lot of youth to inject some sort of atmosphere into that ground, and it's been been needed for a long time. Um, I suppose just when we're kind of talking about Arsenal, you know, the all or nothing's been on, and I obviously didn't get on last week to kind of chat about it but it's been a bit interesting i know you said it is a bit cringe and i agree like it is some of the some of the things that are tattered is is cringe but i listened to i think it was i can't remember it was our blog or another arsenal podcast this week and they said yes to us it's very cringe but like when you're there in the moment then players are pumped and they're together you know that's that's working for them and you know it has been reflected you know over the lot uh, this like i said this calendar year arsenal have been very good a couple of blips you know, at the end of last season, which cost us getting into the top four. But, you know, you can see there's a change around the club. The players are believing in what Arteta is doing. And, you know, after watching those episodes this week, you know, I still fully back him over the, the Aubameyang situation. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't mind a spoiler. Paddy, have you been watching All or Nothing yet in Arsenal? I haven't seen any of it yet. Just just clips that I've seen. Um... Oh, I... You don't have Amazon Prime, and I refuse you to give me Amazon Prime. Um, yes. But so the bit I was—was was it me saying it was cringy, or was it 
I know Steve went balls in on them last week, but um, there was bits in it where like Arteta has them doing like a a thing before the game where they all like rub their hands together and then they're holding hands, then they're not holding hands, they rub their own hands and they're like envisaging like winning the game or something. And then Aubameyang takes the piss out of them afterwards too, which is quite funny. Um, and it comes across as Brandy Rogerish, some of it, but mm-hmm. um, you can see what I can see from pardon me this Arsenal and what you can see on All or Nothing is that yeah, it does come across as cringy and people are joking and laughing or whatever. That's fair enough, but as an outsider looking in, this Arsenal team look together. They, like I talked about that Spurs look like the biggest shape bags in the league, but they all look as one big shape bag. They're all together on it. They're all in on it. Do you know what I mean? Conte has them to a tune. And Arteta has this Arsenal side all going in the one direction, which maybe it has been since the Emirates, since uh, Lord the big Veng, Lord Wenger, started to lose his, his power at Arsenal. And you could see there was players revolting. There was different things going on. There was constantly turning into like... Uh, the banter club, and it was obviously people were laughing and different things was going on. There's pl- too much player power, not player power, but too much, too many players were coming out and saying and uh, being unspoken. Whereas this Arsenal side all seem as the one unit, which me and Paddy have seen at Liverpool. You know, Klopp came in and got rid of whoever he needed to get rid of, and now we have this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a, uh, it's pretty. I think what Arteta's done has been a brilliant job, but I think if he can top that off this year by qualifying for the Champions League I think he's done a really really good job at Arsenal but on the Aubameyang thing I haven't seen it yet so what actually happens like what was the fallout see it give, it gives you obviously an insight into the relationship breaking down it's when he went to France to see his mother and reported back late um, Arteta talks about it doesn't show you the conversation him and Aubameyang have but he talks about it and they said, when did you know that basically he was done? And he says, when I looked into his eyes, I just, he could just tell he wasn't serious anymore. The trust was gone and it wasn't going to come back. And there is a week clip where the show, it does, I think he's talking to, like I said, he's in his car and he's about to drive off and he's laughing basically about being suspended and all this sort of shit. So, I mean, he can go. It looks like he's going to Chelsea. looks like that deal is going to happen. Um, be interesting to see how he gets on there. But... I mean, I'm, I know there was frustration at times with Arteta and we kind of wondered where they were going to go and things like that. And I thought his time was up at one stage. But he, he's proved me wrong and I'm glad he has and I'm glad he is doing well and he's got he's got the team in that he that he wanted to get in. And I mean, you think of the players that Arsenal had to read out. You know, Gwen Doozy, he just was a weak dick. And even to a degree, Lacazette and Aubameyang probably both needed to go in the end. Um, Ozil had to go, Mustafi, Socrates, you know. So many players Arsenal need to read out, and Terrer is another one that's just went here um, this week. So there's there's a there's big changes happened at Arsenal, and hopefully it's all for the better. You know the stadium's getting renovated as well, and they're doing it up and making it look more friggin' not so soulless and faded. And it's good to see them actually doing that and caring about it. Like Josh Kroenke, I think I think it was the first episode Phil where he's over, and you know he sent our the Saka, you know forget about that shit and stuff like that, and gives a bit of an insight into what what he's like as a person I suppose like not that I think the Cronkies are you know they haven't won me over necessarily like but you know I think they've given Arsenal the money and they give them the back and especially these last two transfer windows to go out and do something and bring in players you know so I think they've been very smart 
bringing in the likes of Jesus and Shinchenko. Tommy Asu was a great signing. Uh, William Sleeb is now back in the fold and he's been great the last two games for us. So we're on, we're on the up, there's no doubt. Where we can go, still unknown. Like whether we'll challenge for the league in the future, I don't know. Like, but I think we're definitely capable of getting back into the Champions League. Hundred percent. Like I think, and almost to the point now, Johnny, where not to put pressure on his words, if he don't, it's probably a failure. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say that too. Yeah, I would. If we don't finish Champions League this season, I would be very disappointed. Like, it's a bit different to last season because we didn't expect it. You know, we went in this kind of crazy run and ended up like, how the fuck did we get here? Um, and it's annoying. Like, you know, you look back at stupid games like that Everton game at Goodison. The Brighton game at home, the Southampton game away, like you had a one, one of those games, and the season finishes completely different because you're going into the Spurs game already qualified for the Champions League. Uh, there'd been no pressure on there, you know. It's just the small margins of football. That's why I'm saying, like even today with Chelsea drawn against Spurs, like you don't know at the end of the season what those two draw points are going to mean to Chelsea or what that point's going to mean to Spurs. You know, it's every point matters. That absolutely does. Like so, if that costs uh, Chelsea Champions League spot, they can look back and be like, "We were robbed of that because the referee absolutely done us in in that game against Spurs at the start of the season." But remains to be seen. We're still we're still very early doors. Like, but you want to get points on the board every game. That's why like this season we started so much better, six points from six. Like so, and we've a uh, we've a decent enough run coming up before we play anybody really difficult. So hopefully we can get a few more over the coming weeks. Paddy, what do you make of Arsenal's start? Oh, they've looked, they've looked great. Um, I really like the business that they've done over the last sort of year or so. Um, you know they've got one of, if not the sort of youngest squads in the league, but it's uh, it's just brimming with with talent. Um, you know, uh, Martinelli's one of the players that I talk about a lot because I think he's absolutely Patrick, unbelievable. You stay the fuck away. Yeah, I I'm always like perving on Martinelli. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that that wee front or that wee sort of three behind his use of, of Odegaard, who's such a brilliant tech technician, Saka, who's a fantastic player and so pacey, and Martinelli as well. Like that's a great wee quartet of of attacking talent there. They're going to give teams a lot of trouble, and then you're bringing in people with you're bringing in winners, and it's it's hard to find that you know when Jesus and Zinchenko who have been there and done it, and you know, their experience is going to be vital for Arsenal moving forward because, you know, lots of the rest of them haven't haven't won a whole pile. Um, Saliba's obviously come in or come back in and he's been doing doing fantastically well. And there's real there's real depth there too. You know, you've got the likes of Smith Rowe and Tierney and stuff, even, you know, Pepe, who's a £70 million signing on, on the bench. Um, and if they do add someone like Tielemans, you know, possibly to take Xhaka's spot, like that's that's real quality. Like Arsenal, like like Phil said, I think Arsenal should be at least top four. And if if they, if they weren't to make the Champions League again, I think it would be a massive failure considering the the investment and you know a lot of them have had another year to play together. But uh, I think I think they'll be I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. So do I. I think there's um well the the thing is <clears throat> I think there's there's still a two. In the Premier League, uh, Liverpool and City, and the top four, uh, they'll go. It's hard to pick at the minute. Obviously, two games in between Spurs, Chelsea, and Arsenal. That that possibly could be the race that um, 
goes right down the last day of the season. I know Liverpool and City have had two, but uh, a couple of league seasons have gone down the last day. But that battle for top four could be it, and it could all depend on the likes of like as you said a draw today, Johnny, a team not getting another addition into the squad. <clears throat> Before the transfer window closed, I'm thinking Chelsea not getting a striker in or whatever, Arsenal not getting another body in midfield, um, things like that. So that's going to be different, but they're going to be there or thereabouts. They also have the option of winning the, the Europa League. They can go really far in it. I think they should take it very serious this year. I mean, that's another chance to win it, win a European trophy, which would be massive, and then obviously bounce straight into the Champions League as well. Um, would be great for them. So... Something that definitely aim for too, but uh, I just think like as I said, this Arsenal side that th- there is something different. There is a different element to look at them. I think it's youth and a bit of experience on it. The, the likes of Xhaka not having the captain's armband clearly took a bit of pressure off him. Now he's played really well. Um, for Arsenal the last couple of games, you just said Saliba come in looks. <clears throat> pardon me, I know he scored no goal yesterday, but he looks he looks a smasher. He looks unreal. Such a talent. Um, and then that little. Um, sort of quartet of Jesus, Martinelli, Saka, and Odegaard. Really, really, really exciting. And then you've Smith Rowe too, which is going to be coming in, and and you'll think he'll hopefully get a run of games. And you said to me before, Johnny, time we're at your house. I think watching the Palace game that <clears throat> if he's not injured and gets a run of it, like there's a reason why he was given the number ten jersey because of his talent and how good a player he is. So he's going to be coming back into the mix. So. It's exciting times at Arsenal, definitely. Like they're gonna, they're gonna give it a, a bash this year, and there is really a real good core of, I would say, fi- top five teams now. That, as you saw today, in at Stamford Bridge, could all give each other a run for money, especially in one-off games. So it's it's quite exciting that end. Um, but we'll see. Tomorrow night, Liverpool play at Crystal Palace. We don't know what's going to happen with that one. Hopefully, for myself and Paddy, Liverpool get a win, get probably up and running this year. But one of the other ones before we finish off in the league that I just want to touch on was. Now in Forest. Now, when I mentioned them last week, uh, uh in a a blog piece I'd done about they've signed so many players, they're signing all three, and I think they've got fifteen players in this year. Now <clears throat> they got a win today at the City Ground. They got big win, first win since nineteen ninety nine in the Premier League. Uh, Tyo scored the goal as well for them, which is amazing. Um, for him to get open up his count in the Premier League. The ground was absolutely bouncing. Looked class. Missed it actually, because remember when I was a child. Um, good to see it back. There's no sponsors in the front of their their top as well. I know there's a reason for that, but it actually looks nice. No sponsorship. More of that, please. But at what point is maybe there are too many signings made? I mean, they've signed Dennis, they've signed uh, Czech Kowate, they're trying to get us also Mawar from, from Leon. There's a lot going on, like. Mm-hmm. And they didn't play particularly bad against Newcastle either, I didn't think, you know, it was just, it was an absolute wonder goal that broke them down in the ends. And the the played play well today against, you know, a, a very tough West Ham team. Like, you know, West Ham probably feel they're a bit unlucky. Um, but yeah, like... Th- Nottingham Forest did, did play quite well today, I thought, and the stadium was absolutely banging. Um, first time back in the Premier League in years. Remember, Mac, I actually remember using Forest like in the old football games back in the day, and like the PS1, the Sega, and stuff like so. It's um, okay, it is nice to see them back. You know, they've obviously been European champions in the past and uh, twice before, so they are, they are a big club, probably one that's been, you know, 
laying low for a while, but it's nice to see teams that got back. You always like to see different teams come back. It'd be nice to see the likes of Blackburn or something come back up eventually. Like, but yeah, it's um they're done well. And like I said, they have brought in a lot of players. Um a lot of change can unsettle the team, I suppose. You know, a lot of those lads that got them into the Premier League potentially losing their spots, the likes of uh Jack Teote and stuff you were talking about there. And you know, is that really right? You know, they're good to have around for the experience and play the whole game and things like that. But I think them lads come from the championship. You know, there's some gems in the championship and they deserve their opportunity to play in the Premier League and show what they're made of. So I I agree with you there with too many signings can maybe unsettle a few lads. And that's what that's what happens. The teams come up, they bring in all these players, like the likes of and stuff and give them pretty, you know, Premier League wages, not championship wages. And then if they go down again, they're, they're snookered, aren't they? Like, so, yeah, that's... It'd be nice to see them lads that got them up just given the opportunity to prove themselves in the Premier League. My thing is, Paddy, they, they, they had to sign, um, they had to sign some players, a lot of players, not a lot of players, but a, a chunk of players anyway because they'd loaned a lot of players last year. <clears throat> so they, I think they lost six or seven players that they had on loan. So they needed to bring bodies in. But my... Well, Warning would be at the minute now it's all rosy because you're just back in the Premier League, so everybody's buzzing. And even if you lose last week, the last week Newcastle, they're all buzzing to be back. First game back, class, let's go. First home game coming up, and they win it. So there's all a really feel good factor. But what if it starts to turn? And those players that have come to Northern Forest, are they going to mix in and be like, "I'll oh, hang on here, yeah"? Or is it going to be the case of, um? Actually, I'm just going to hang on here for a year because my agent will get me to go. Like, the reason why I'm saying this was it was a thing I was thinking about, like when they're saying so many players. And then I heard Ned Manoa say this on Five Live this afternoon that he knows he had no he knows of or he, he's heard conversations beforehand where players have signed for clubs like this, and the agent has been like, "Don't worry how this season goes, just play really well, and I'll get you a move on." Uh, next year do you know what I mean so I would worry yeah. too as a force not worry as a force fan it's hard to say worry you just won your first game back since 1999 you're enjoying yourselves but I would be cautious just on all these signings especially with that mad owner that they have that if it does start to turn sour if they start to get a few results four or five say results with four or five defeats in a row or something like that there and things start to turn are these players going to muck in and give it everything for Northern Forest, or is it just going to be a case of hang in there and bounce? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. Like like you said, they did have to sign a lot of players because so many had to return to their parent clubs. So they had to sign loads of players. Um, their spending has been way more lavish than I thought Nottingham Forest had the means to do. Um, and, you know, people would always cite Fulham as a bad example of signing too many players. Um and they don't really gel. But I remember whenever Fulham signed a lot of players, they tended to be from a lot of players from, uh, you know, European leagues. But uh, Nottingham Forest have brought in some players with Premier League experience, which I think will help. You know, they brought in Dean Henderson. You know, not that Nico Williams would have played that much Premier League football, but at least he knows he knows the league. You know, Nico Williams is in as a starter. You know, Lingard's obviously been around the league for, you know, the best part of a decade if bringing in Emmanuel Dennis as well who's proven he can score goals in a poor Watford team at this level um, and you've mentioned Koyada as well who's obviously played for Palace for a long time so I think they've got enough Premier League experience sprinkled in with 
you know, the, the likes of Ayunwe, who they've signed, um, looks like he's going to be a handful. He's he's big and strong, and he scored goals in Germany for Union Berlin. So I I think of 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 the three promoted clubs, they look the best place for me to to stay up. Um, and it, what you're saying is right that you know if they do go down, you can imagine that a lot of these boys will be looking moves. But um, I think I think they should have enough to to stay up. Um, I think Bournemouth probably the weakest of the three promoted teams. Yeah, I, I'd go with that. I think I, I kind of really want Forrest to do well because I do enjoy having them back in the league. Um, sort of just a childhood thing. Like You'd always see them, like if you remember like Czech and Cfax years ago, they were there in the league and and different things. They always had that, I can't remember the, the sponsorship, but they had a really unreal oh, jersey. Labats. La yeah, there you go, bang. That's the one um, yeah. that I always have a little soft spot for. So yeah, it's great. And, and the, as you say, Johnny, the, I think it might be the ground was absolutely bouncing, uh, which was class. So more part to it. But just an interesting one to keep an eye on for Forest fans. Like they signed so many players, and are these players going to be in there for the fight? Because I don't think Forest are going to be up there challenging the top half. I think they are. Naturally, I think they are going to find themselves in the bottom half and fighting away. So. We'll see what happens, but um, for them there, winning against West Ham, Moises West Ham have not started the season great. Um, I saw some West Ham fans saying sort of with two years of excellence, and now we've gone back to normality, so it's time to just get used to it. So we will see what happens. Uh, is there any other business you want to chat on before we move and finish up tonight's podcast, lads? No, nothing in particular. Not for me anyway. I don't know about mud. No, no, there's there's nothing really standing out this week, to be fair. Oh, just to finish off, Villa obviously beating Everton in the early game yesterday and an early contender for the worst game of the season too. I think I heard, um, was it John Murray on... Uh, no, it was the commentator on uh, the Forest game, I can't remember his name, from Sky, say yesterday was I was at Villa Park for walking football and today I'm at uh, no, Forest here, obviously, for rock and roll, fast, heavy metal football, which was nice because mm. yesterday's game was absolutely diabolical. Uh, mm. Brutal game of football between Stephen Gerrard, Aston Villa and Frank Lampard, Everton. Um, and again, Everton, another one. They'd probably need to get a result very, very soon and a performance very, very soon, but we'll see what happens there. That will do us then for uh, the show. Uh, we, we're going to try and see what we get on with. We're going to definitely have one of these, obviously, a week. We might have a mixture. There's going to be more writing as well come up in the podcast. So uh, I'll have something out for you on Tuesday morning, so keep an eye out on that. Um, there's more Champions League action this week, qualifiers and different things. So there'll be stuff across our socials and stuff we just keep an eye out on. And uh, as I said... Uh, the weekend isn't over because obviously Liverpool play at Crystal Palace tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens there too as well, folks. Jonathan, thank you very much for making this your, your debut this season. Oh, pleasure. It was first a good appearance. weekend to be on. Oh, very good, sir. Patrick, likewise, your first appearance this season. Many congrats, sir. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Um, get all of our stuff across our socials. Um, the Football Babble Pod, Instagram and Twitter. You'll find us across on and uh, get us on your podcast apps just look search the football babble and you'll see us there and it's football babble forward slash patreon.com i think it is i don't know the patreon links don't follow me and i never remember it but you get us on patreon look for the football babble and you'll find us uh, and as usual folks you'll see our writing it'll come up on our medium but we'll post it out on our socials this week so you'll be able to get the link and be able to read it and i really appreciate all the comments for all the writing that's been done so far 
there are many more to come. Uh, so if you keep enjoying it, share it with all your mates, share it on socials, likewise the podcasts. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend, your Sunday night, and your Monday morning if you listen to this. And good luck. Up the palace.